Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Bringing a second baby home can be a logistical challenge. You may have a toddler who still needs your attention and doesn't really understand what's going on. Your new baby will need you as much as your first did, only this time you'll have to juggle the demands of both. Jen Muir is an obstetric social worker at the Marta Hospital in Sydney. She helps parents prepare to bring their second or third or fourth, as was the case with herself, (laughs) baby home. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So as I mentioned just there, you are a mum of four. I am a mum of four, yes. (laughs) What was the most challenging thing about bringing your second child home to your first? Oh, gosh. Take me back there. Um, Look, the most challenging thing was, I think, your my eldest child was two my new baby had reflux so I'm just painting a little picture for you there (laughs) and the oldest child is right on that crux of becoming a toddler learning how to push boundaries and what I didn't know what I wish I had known is that that baby arriving rocked his world and he really needed me to connect with him and I just think the juggle you're there breastfeeding the toddler's needing something and it just felt messy and out of control oh yeah (laughs) I think you just explained to a T what my experience was like. People assume that you're going to know because you've already had one what to do with a second. But I had kind of forgotten everything. Yeah. And I don't know I remember any of it now either, Um, simply because you're so tired and a lot of it gets forgotten. Um, Children are different. Every baby is different. But the biggest challenge I actually had was working out how to get them both to sleep at the same time. <laughs> like I thought this is, sounds really simple, but it's I not. just could not do it. No, because they're little individuals and I don't think we can be prepared for what that's like and getting that schedule to happen. Um, my second, my first baby, so I thought I was a pretty amazing mum and he <laughs> slept on cue like a lot of first babies do and he and I was like, yeah, I've got this, it's amazing. And then my second baby came home and he had reflux and he cried all the time and I'd do all the things I did with the first and it just didn't work. Um, so, yes, getting them to sleep on time, extremely hard. I remember once trying to get my little girl to sleep, my eldest, she was about two and a half, and after about half an hour, I came out of the bedroom. I was at my parents' place. I came out of the bedroom. My hair must have been everywhere, and my daughter was just like, yeah, stuff you, Mum. I got one over you. And my dad just looked at me and went, she's only a toddler, sweetheart. I know. How dare you be on her side? But it, it struck me at that point, it struck me that when they're that age, you cannot force them to no. go to sleep. No. And I think... You, suddenly your toddler looks older and like they should know what they're doing <laughs> but they're still a baby yes, yes and and you know the biggest thing is that you've society says well you know what you're doing and you'll be busy but you know what you're doing and that you touched mm. on that before but you don't know what you're doing because you've never juggled the needs of two children at developmentally different stages before and you've got this older child that's grieving the relationship that has now changed and their world's just been rocked by this little baby that's entered. And so it's hard because they're also behaving a bit differently because they're, they're, pushing, they're pushing you because they're, they're wanting to know, are we okay? Yeah. And then on top of that, you've got this baby and they come how they come, don't they? Yeah. 
Yes, and neither of them give you five minutes to work out how on earth to deal with it. Well, let's go back a little step mm-hmm. because um, children are so cluey and smart mm-hmm. and they obviously know that something's happening and something's changing yep. even before the baby comes they because do. mummy's bo- body's changing and there's a big bump there and you've possibly probably talked to them hopefully you've talked to them (laughs) about what's happening um now when my son was on his way uh someone suggested that I buy a toy (laughs) that the baby had given the toddler I was very excited about that I went out and bought the most beautiful doll in the most expensive shop I've never bought another thing that expensive before (laughs) And she did not give a poop about this doll. <laughs> she never played with it. No. Did not make a scaric of difference in no. terms of her leaving me alone to breastfeed her brother. How can we prepare them in a less expensive and soul-destroying <laughs> way than getting the baby to give them a gift? Oh, my goodness. So I relate to this story so much. And when I was having my second, I was told two things. One, buy a present from the, old, the baby to the older child. And two, don't have the baby in your arms when they come in to meet you for the first yes, time. Yes. I reckon so, every parent must yes. hear that. So that was the extent of my preparation. Okay. <laughs> Good. I and, wasn't alone. And I've touched on the fact it, it, the next year was not ideal. Um, So in terms of the present, look, I tell parents, buy a present, don't buy a present. Like, it really doesn't matter. No, it didn't make a difference for us. (laughs) I think it's not, it's certainly not going to solve the next year of problems. So if you want to buy a present, (laughs) go, go for it. But truly, the answer lies in connection with your child in the lead up. So what we sort of know about the way we connect with our um, children under five is that it's mostly physical. So lots of hugs and um, fist pumps and winks and just showing them delight really just for their being, not their doing. So not praise. That's a different thing because we do a lot of praise in the lead up often where we say, you're going to be such a good big girl. You're going to be such a good helper, good big sister, good big brother. <laughs> you're just wanting like a live-in maid really, aren't you? <laughs> and our child is thinking, I don't really know what's happening, but I'm kind of getting freaked out. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have to perform. Yeah. And actually, if we said a bit less, you know, it's okay to tell them, but really they can't really know what's coming it's an on the job thing to learn so we can definitely let them know but really letting them lead doing lots of connection giving them maybe a little object so mum takes a little teddy bear to the hospital when she has the baby and they have a matching one and you tell them I'm going to squeeze my bear and think about you every time I'm missing you and you can do the same so giving them some tangible connection points is one of the biggest things you can do in the lead up and actually that kind of continues after the baby comes just really bringing them into the narrative mummy's feeding the baby do you know I used to do that with you why don't we look at a photo of me breastfeeding you so just all of that kind of Such stuff. Such a lovely idea. <laughs> I don't want to go back and do it again. No. <laughs> but I kind of want to go back and do it again. <laughs> well, if you did it again, it would never be the same because, yeah, you've sort of Tessa done that. Woman with <laughs> third and fourth. Um, but that, is, that, is, that makes so much sense, though. Yeah. And I think I, I, the, the baby in your arms thing... That's absolutely true. It is better if the baby's not in your arms the first time your older child comes into the room. But it's not why you think. I think often people think it's that your child will see the baby and get jealous. When actually it's about us, it's the same thing, us tuning into our child and having our arms free to meet them where they're at and follow their lead. Now, if I've got my arms free of a baby, I'm much more able to meet you where you're at. Some children are going to walk in, they're going to want to cry. Some are going to 
just I want to show you this blue car with four wheels have a look at it (laughs) and some will want to look at the baby and some will want to hug mum and I think we just go with them and follow their lead eventually they are going to look at that baby and when they do I always tell parents just be watching because they're going to do this referencing back to you so they look at the baby and then they look up to mum or dad and that's the moment I think they're asking do you have enough love for me and the baby? And I think if we're there ready to catch their eye and go, oh, I've missed you, it's so good to see you, and give them a wink and a high five, that can make such a difference because they're just being seen in that moment where they're wondering, are we okay? Yeah, wow. So going from that to something that's quite practical, um, how do you juggle breastfeeding (laughs) and looking after another small child? Yes, because you're going to be, you forget sometimes. Just, yeah. <laughs> yes. So you forget how long you're in that chair for. I know. And especially at first where baby's take an hour to feed. And like you can think of what a two-year-old can do in an hour. So again, what <laughs> I was told was get a box of toys and have a special box of toys that you get out when you're breastfeeding the baby. Now, I don't know if you've met a two-year-old, but can you imagine? <laughs> so your baby goes... I want to feed and so they're just screaming right because they don't they don't sort of oh I'll just wait for you to set that up um so the baby (laughs) wants to feed and then you've got to get a toddler established in a standalone task where you're not assisting them no it just did not work for me so uh, what I try to focus on in the classes at the martyr is that when we know that the answer to these problems lie in our relationship with our child and that if we can get in ahead of a feed knowing we're going to feed connection so why don't you grab a book we're going to read together or I'm you know your child might be playing and you say I'm sending a rainbow from my heart to yours can you feel it you know doing these little things to connect in whatever wherever your child's at then we've got boundaries. So boundaries are important because our child might suddenly say, I want a drink of water. And we could struggle to the sink and the baby's screaming and then we get frustrated and we yell. Or we can say, I know, it's really hard to wait. It's really hard being a big brother sometimes, but I'm feeding the baby and I will get it when I'm finished. So that's the boundaries and that's how we juggle. And finally, something I call being with or the emotions. And that's when our child lets us know that they're not happy about waiting. (laughs) And they can let us know with gusto and we are able to just welcome that in and go, yeah, that's okay. I'm totally okay with you showing me that this is really hard. Come and sit next to me and be with me while you feel that. And so when we know that it's okay if it looks messy, like I don't want anyone to go home thinking it's just got to be perfect and if you have a box of toys, it's going to work out because as you and I know, (laughs) it's messy. So if you're kind of prepared, yeah, it's going to be messy. And it's okay. If your child cries, that's really good because they're actually healing and you're able to be there with them, welcome that in, and they know that they're seen and heard. And that allows them, I think, to move on, get on with their job, which is playing. And, you know, it's interesting, some of those things you were talking there about boundaries and, you know, being able to wait, these are lessons that you're going to be teaching them for a very long time. Yes. <laughs> it's not going to stop with the toddler age. So you're kind no. of laying the foundations yeah. in a way, helping them adjust to their yeah. new little brother or sister. But also you're starting that neural process for them that hopefully one day you won't be on the toilet and they'll be saying, Mom! Well, hopefully. Yeah. I'm just referring back to my morning this morning. <laughs> yes. Mom, 
I need cereal. Oh my goodness, yes. My I'm morning. on the toilet, you have to wait. <laughs> and absolutely, and I think knowing that one of the biggest reasons we do have a sibling for our children, you know, one of the biggest ones is we're really hoping they're going to be friends. And if, we, if we're able to sort of really make sure our older child feels really connected with us, seen and heard through that transition, there's more chance of that relationship unfolding as it, as it should. Mm. So that can make a really big difference. But like you say, they are learning to, you know, at two, at three, at four, at ten, yeah. they are still learning that it's hard to wait. And I think us just getting comfortable with the fact that it doesn't have to look perfect and it's okay if there are days where they are crying a lot and if we can welcome that in and say yeah it's hard being a big sister some days i get mm. that i or yeah the baby's noisy yeah you that- should try being a mum <laughs> <laughs> you think being a big sister or brother is hard <laughs> wait till you have your own kids no don't do that don't do that um so another thing that's i just mentioned earlier is the sleep and settling yeah um, do you have any suggestions on how you wa- might manage that? Because I ended up um, baby wearing my second a yeah. lot and he would end up asleep and I'd be kind of weirdly lying <laughs> on the floor next to my toddler in a mattress trying to get them asleep oh and goodness. make sure he was safe. And they were both asleep, but I was incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, you poor thing. <laughs> you would... But, I mean, apart from turning yourself into a pretzel to try and get them both to sleep, have you got any suggestions on how you might set things up? So I think particularly challenging at that age, if you have a, a toddler, is going to be that midday nap. Yeah. Because hopefully at the, in the evening there's someone else to help you, hopefully. Yeah. And if not, you can stagger yep. the times. But yep. the midday nap tends to always happen around the same time. <clears throat> I think it depends on the children, obviously. And it depends on who's easier. You may luck it with a second baby that's one of those. What My third was a what baby? Just I just put him in a bouncer and a year later he got up and walked. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you get one of those, amazing. Focus on your older child. So you're just going to put your baby down first, make sure they're fed. And like you say, it's all about staggering. I think we've got to be flexible and be willing to, I often say to parents, you know, feed the toddler dinner at 3.30 and give them a snack at 7 or 6. You know, like flip it around while you're in that point where the baby's going to be crying at, at that time of day. Know that it's okay to stagger that sleep maybe so that you can do one and then the other. Baby wearing is amazing. I wish I had worked that out sooner with my second. I spent a lot of time trying to get him into that routine that I had done for my eldest. He did not want that routine. It did not work for me. <laughs> he finally slept at two. So... <laughs> I think you are muddling through and just not being afraid to put your hand up and ask for help. And whether that's family that's willing to step in and take the baby for a walk in the pram so you can get that um, older toddler to sleep in their bed for that midday nap if that's what they need. Um, Or putting the toddler to sleep in front of some cartoons like they'll drop to sleep and you might that might be where they're at at age three for example um it's about rolling with what's happening being flexible but also asking for help where you can and i think we just can't do it alone yeah that's something that we do expect of ourselves yeah um now let's talk about the other emotional side of all this that is not the child but the parents themselves so you know when you have your second child you can feel like 
Um, am I doing the right thing? Because how can I possibly oh love another child? How can my heart fit more love? Yeah. yeah. And and am I going to? Does this mean I'm going to favour my first child? Yeah. Um, how do you manage that with parents? Um, that's uh, thank you for asking that. I love this area because we often underestimate. There, there is some grief for mums often, especially in the lead up to and just after that baby's born and they're looking at the baby and they're thinking, should I be feeling what I feel for this older child that I've known for two or three years? And they can be questioning, is this normal? Is this okay? And absolutely, there can be some worry around that, around whether we have enough love. Something that I love that I got from a parenting educator, Dr. Vanessa Lapointe, who's Canadian, who I think is fantastic. She says, we grow a new heart for every child. And the way that I give it to parents as a visual is that you've got this slightly bigger heart here that's existing for that older child, and that's a relationship that remains unchanged. And then you've got this little heart that's just been born with this new baby. And as that child grows, and as you would know, you get to know that completely different person and that relationship just grows and I think we need to be patient with relationships because they unfold over time and so trusting that it's okay to feel different things at first or to not be sure really really normal and that 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 heart just does grow and I think it's just nice to think of it that way and that subject of grief is really interesting because it's not something that people want to talk about or own and I do remember before my son was born um, I spoke to someone who who brought up something about grief and I found myself in floods of tears and I was I was kind of crying for myself yeah Um, this sense that with one child I was kind of still half myself but Mm. with the second child now I was really 110% 110% of mother, you know, yeah, yeah, lost in that world and no, no turning back now. Yeah. Um, is that something that you have worked with in Absolutely. your role? And I think, again, it's something we need to really allow the space for people to talk about. Um, they talk about the process of matrescence, which takes us seven years to get that sort of sense of motherhood or becoming a mother and that it takes time like adolescence and I really agree with that that it takes time and I what I've really seen what I've experienced is is that second baby that like you say you've just drifted like out to sea away from that island that was work or that person you were before and you can feel very lost lonely underappreciated I think being a mum of two small kids can be one of the loneliest jobs in the world Um, And so you really are out there in it. And, yeah, I think we do need to support women with that. It's a massive process. And that is happening for parents with that second baby. On top of the fact there's often more financial pressure, they're more tired, juggling the needs of two kids, marriage is under pressure. It's a lot happening. It is a lot. I don't know why people don't... When I say people, it doesn't seem society in general recognises that. No, that's... Yeah. You just talk to people and they're like, oh, people have been having babies for years. And it's like... Well, yes, that doesn't mean it hasn't always been hard or that... And I think also we used to do it in much more of a village and the village has changed and we're often, you know, on our own in a bathroom with two small children at (laughs) 5pm. Oh my God. Do you remember this? I'm getting PTSD. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember I used to do it and I'd be thinking, "I'm, I'm in this apartment with these two small children is is there a million other women on this street doing the same thing right now? Why are we not together? 
you know, and I always say to people, if you can just find one friend that can be with you in the trenches and you can maybe bath those kids together and feed them together, like build that village because it can be very isolating. God, it makes so much difference. I used to say to my sister, we should go and live in a commune. Yes. Because whenever we were doing stuff, if we went away on a holiday or whatever it was, it was another, it was easier. I mean, the kids were no less chaotic. (laughs) They didn't listen to me more. <laughs> but just having another human there yeah. to kind of laugh with and Brings connect to. Exactly. Because yeah. yep. you're connecting to your children, of course, mm. but not in the same way. No. Yeah, yeah, it brings lightness. It brings easiness. And, you know, in numbers, I think we can delegate. You do this, I'll do that. Have a, you know, a glass of wine, maybe. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so another thing um, parents might worry about before their second child comes is how they're going to be able to meet the demands of having two young children. I don't know that I worried about that until I actually had them. (laughs) And then I was like going, wow, this is a lot. Yes. How am I ever going to be able to be there for you both at that when you need me you can't so (laughs) that's good I like brutal honesty (laughs) you can't so there's going to be so many moments for example um, that you're making a split second call so you're on your own you've only got two hands and uh, the baby needs a feed but the toddler urgently is maybe toilet training they screw the toilet or falls over and you're making a split second decision what I talk to parents is what they need firstly is self-compassion because that is really hard for you so if you can be really kind to yourself in that moment knowing this is really hard and then you just simply say to the baby I'll be with you in a second I know that sounds funny but it just can help us and them to just say oh I'll be coming to you and then we deal with the toddler and then back to the baby knowing we can only do the best we can do and then vice versa if um, your toddler suddenly wants something but you're changing the baby you've got to say to the toddler I know I hear you I see you I'll be with you next and you deal with the baby the truth is you can't have more than two hands and so there's going to be lots of moments that just I'm again I'm back on the bathroom floor I have two children (laughs) on me and they're both crying and I'm thinking you should film this yes so that you show it to teens at school (laughs) as birth control oh 100% (laughs) I was just remembering something similar like you've got one in both arms and they're just sobbing and so really like apart from just acknowledging our kids and doing the best we can it's being kind to ourselves because that's very hard and if we're people that have had successful careers to date and we've been able to tick things off and have things under control it's that second child that sends it all spinning and you can't control it and children come with their own agendas and so it's being really kind to yourself and saying sometimes out loud this is really hard I'm doing the best that I can and I've never done this before while I've done a baby before never juggled two before no you have the best advice Jen (laughs) and I think I would like to end this conversation with if you have two small children (laughs) if you are dealing with this right now yeah please give yourself a break yes if there is any chance of someone helping you with those two babies for an hour so you can go and sleep for an hour yeah or have a massage yeah whatever it is that makes you feel nurtured yep Please do it. And one of the the best practical tips I can say, if you have a a grandparent, a neighbour, a friend that's willing to take the toddler up to the park for one hour and push them on the swings and lock that in one day a week 
just every Wednesday they get mm. taken away for an hour, that can be a game changer. But absolutely, it's that second child. You can do it. You can sort of get through alone on the first, but it's that second baby that makes us really get pushed to the wall. And the best thing you can do is take a break. And you start. I talk to parents about starting with a mini break. Sometimes even a shower is a really good place to start if you've got a brand new baby and you build up to bigger and more, more meaningful breaks. We can't do this job of parenting twenty four seven. So be really kind to yourself and the more breaks you take, the better you will be for your kids. Yeah, 100%. Jen, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. That's Jen Muir. She's an obstetric social worker at the Mater Hospital in Sydney. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.